0: But who is your priest? Okay, I'm your preacher. Who's your priest? You may have assumed only Catholics and Episcopals have priests, but even members of Chatham Christian Church must have a priest. If they don't, they don't have access to God. In fact, everyone who had come before God must have a priest. And they really need a priest who is compassionate. Well, guess what? If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you have one, whether you realize it or not. As we come to the fifth chapter of Hebrews, the author begins by pointing out that every man needs a compassionate priest. In the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 3. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently With the ignorant and misguided, since he himself also is beset with weaknesses. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins, as for the people, so also for himself. Now, while this doesn't actually state every man needs a priest, that is the assumption upon which what is said is based. A priest is a man appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God. He's someone who brings man and God together. And remember, since the fall, man and God have been separated. Sin separated the creation from the Creator. Adam and Eve were cast out of God's presence and were barred entrance to paradise. The original fellowship between God and man was broken, and God broke it because of man's sin. Now, if a man wants to reestablish bonds of fellowship with his creator, if he wants to participate in the things pertaining to God, he needs to once again gain access to God. But that barrier is still there. And man cannot cross that barrier alone. You know, God cast him out. And God erected the barrier because He cannot fellowship with sinful beings. So obviously, sinful beings are unable to cross that barrier of their own initiative. However, if God establishes a procedure whereby a man can cross that barrier, things change. It becomes possible. And this God did by ordaining sacrifices and establishing a priesthood, giving to some the right to come into his presence and mediate on behalf of others. Now, God's first priests were, for all practical purposes, the patriarchs, men of faith, who were able to serve as priests for their families, men like Noah and Abraham and Job, who, because of their faith, was given the opportunity to offer gifts and sacrifices to God as expressions of their faith and the faith of others. A formal priesthood was then established when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Priests were formally given the right to, To mediate for others and were appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. God established a very specific procedure whereby, through priests, men could express to Him their longing to regain a relationship with Him. He made it possible. For them to express their love for him through gifts, through meal offerings and peace offerings. And express the recognition of their sinfulness and a need to be cleansed by sin offerings and trespass offerings. Blood sacrifices that demonstrated the awfulness of their sin. In short, God established a priesthood. A channel whereby he and men could once again be united. And he did it through the agency of men. He didn't assign angels the role of mediator. He gave it to men, and for good reason. It was important that a priest be able to deal gently with men who are coming before God seeking forgiveness. If the mediator had been an angel, men would have feared the mediator as much as they feared God. How could they come to an angel, an awesome celestial being, and freely confess their sinfulness? An angel wouldn't understand. He wouldn't know what they had gone through. And no one wants a mediator who can't empathize with him and therefore plead for him with understanding. We need someone who can have compassion because he's been where we've been. We need someone who understands what we've been through and how hard it is to resist temptation. We need someone who will deal gently with us. That's why our priest has to be another man. Someone who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Now, the Old Testament priests should have been able to do that because they were just as sinful and weak as the next guy. And this they were forced to publicly acknowledge on the Day of Atonement. That's when they offered sacrifices for their own sins before making sacrifices for the sins of the people and entering into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood upon the mercy seat. History, however, shows that they weren't always as compassionate as they should have been. Nevertheless, because they were men, men who shared the trials and struggles and weaknesses of all men, they could have been compassionate priests if they so desired. But then we ask, how did they become priests in the first place? Did they just decide to go to school, study for the priesthood, and become one? No, it doesn't work that way, because God alone, can choose priests who will be acceptable to him verse 4 and no one takes the honor to himself but receives it when he is called by God even as Aaron was since priests must have access to both men and God, it should be obvious that not just anyone can be a priest. No one can simply declare himself to be a priest. No one, as our author puts it, takes the honor to himself. Now, some have tried. Korah, a Levite, thought he was just as holy as Aaron and declared himself able to offer incense before God. God responded by opening the earth and swallowing Korah, his household, and all those who followed him in rebellion against God's legitimate priest. Then you may recall the time Samuel was delayed and King Saul, not wanting to wait, took upon himself the role of priest. He offered a burnt offering and a peace offering before a battle was to begin. That resulted in God taking the throne away from Saul and his family and giving it to David, a man after his heart, a man who would respect God's choices. And then there was Uzziah, king of Judah, a man who, because of pride, decided he should be able to offer incense on the altar of incense in the temple. While the priests were trying to stop him, he broke out with leprosy and remained a banished leper in his own kingdom until his death. Obviously, God doesn't take lightly those who set themselves up as priests. He may not always swallow them up, depose them, or strike them with leprosy. But they are false priests, and you can be sure their eternal judgment will be most severe. So, again, who can be a priest? Only those God chooses. Sometimes in the Old Testament, as we've noted, God chose specific individuals to serve as priests. But the vast majority were given the right to be priests by birth into a priestly line that God established. Aaron, Moses' older brother, was set apart in the wilderness as the first high priest. And his sons were then given the right to serve with him as priests. From that day on, it was ordained by God that those who were born in the lineage of Aaron were to be priests. So through birth, God chose the majority of his priests. A man knew he was acceptable to God as a priest, unless he personally defiled himself by virtue of the fact that he was a son of Aaron. The ironic priesthood, however, was not God's final priesthood. It was actually only a temporary priesthood that was intended to prepare mankind for God's ultimate priest. A great high priest who wouldn't minister in a tabernacle or a temple, but before the very throne of God. A priest who wouldn't minister in symbols, but in realities. It's that priest our author wants us to turn to, a priest he's already mentioned a couple of times before, and a priest he's going to discuss for several chapters, and that priest, of course, is Jesus, our great high priest, one who, without a doubt, meets the qualifications for priesthood. And one who is certainly acceptable to God. Verses 5 and 6. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest. But he who said to him, thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Just as he says also in another passage, thou art a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus did not take upon himself the honor of being high priest. It came by virtue of the fact that God called him to be his son. Now, if anyone could ever be in a perfect position before the throne of God, it would be a son. And Christ was named the son of God. He was given a unique relationship like no other. And that relationship guaranteed Jesus' acceptability before God. Besides that, as Son, Jesus is at the right hand of God even now. He's in a perfect position to mediate on our behalf. Because he is closer to the Father than anyone has ever been or ever could be. Christ has been called Son top of that, God declared him to be a priest. A priest forever. A priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, we're going to be learning more about Melchizedek as we go further into Hebrew. so let's not get overly concerned about him and all that this entails just yet. In short, Melchizedek was the king of Salem and a man referred to as the priest of God Most High in Genesis 14. And as a priest, he blessed Abraham on his return from rescuing Lot and received tithes from Abraham. The only other mention of Melchizedek in the Bible outside of Hebrews is in Psalm 110, the psalm we read this morning. And the verse our author quotes for us here, where the Messiah is designated a priest after the order of Melchizedek. So without a doubt, Jesus is acceptable to God as a priest. He is the son of God, so he has access. And he has been specifically designated by God as priest forever. But what about the other? qualification can Jesus be a compassionate priest? can he really sympathize with our weaknesses and mediate on our behalf with understanding? Or is he like an angel you know too celestial, too aloof to really be able to function as a priest? Well let's see let's see if Jesus, can really be the perfect high priest. Verses 7 through 10. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, He became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, this confirms what we saw last week in Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Jesus has been where we are. He has been through what we are going through. In fact, he's been through more than we will ever go through because he never gave in. You know, we don't know. The full force of temptation because before it got to its end, we caved. Temptation has never gone all the way with us. It didn't have to. Every one of us gave into it. Every one of us gave in to it. Jesus didn't. He went all the way. And Satan could not break him. And that wasn't easy. Even for Jesus. And he needed help to do it. He needed help to succeed. In the days of his flesh, when he was on earth in the form of a man, he needed to pray. He made supplication to God. He cried out for help from his father. And was even driven to tears, pleading for help while struggling with decisions. This is never as evident As in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus laid prostrate in such anguish that his sweat became like drops of blood, where he agonized over the horror that awaited him. The horror of taking upon himself the sin of the world, the horror of being for a time cut off, separated from his Father, separated from himself. That he might bear the penalty of sin. In agony he cried out. If there is any other way. Let this cup pass from me. But then in perfect submission he added. But nevertheless. But nevertheless not my will. But thine be done. He was willing To obey at any cost, even death, both spiritual separation from the Father and the physical agonies of the cross. He learned the ultimate cost of obedience from the things he suffered. So he knows how difficult and costly it can be to obey the Father. He knows the pain and anguish obedience can lead us through. So he understands when we fail. He has been made perfect for the role of high priest. And that's what it means when it says having been made perfect. You know, Jesus was always morally perfect without sin. He didn't have to become perfect in that sense. But he did have to become perfectly suited to serve as our high priest. He had to understand our needs. And that he can now do. Because he's been there. He can now perfectly represent us to the Father and the Father to us. And because he made the priestly sacrifice necessary... To pay for our sins. A sacrifice we'll be studying in detail in the chapters ahead. He has now become the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Who recognize his exclusive right to be their high priest. And offer themselves to him. So he can make them into an acceptable offering to God. So, yes, we do have a priest. I'm not your priest. I'm your preacher. I'm your teacher. I'm the one who hopefully gives you understanding of God's plan for you. And hopefully I'm one who can set before you that great high priest who's your perfect priest. The one who goes before the throne of God on your behalf. The one who understands your struggle, knows what you're going through because he's been there. The one who loves you enough to become the sacrifice for your sin. He's not a priest who deals in symbols. He didn't offer cows and sheep and goats he offered himself Jesus is our high priest he's a great high priest who ministers on our behalf in the very presence of God and he longs to be your priest as well He wants to be your priest, and he will, if you'll just recognize his right to be so and give him yourself so he can take you and make you into an acceptable offering to God. We have an amazing priest. No man can come to the Father but through Him. Many people assume just by living a good life they'll be found acceptable in the sight of God, but that is not the case. Any sin at all cuts us off from a holy God. Only by bridging the gulf that sin created can we come back into relationship with our Creator. Jesus is that bridge. If you've accepted him as your Lord and as your Savior, he is your priest. And we celebrate that today.